Chapter Nineteen of Janet's Repentance from Scenes of Clerical Life by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Nineteen. Before leaving Janet, Mr. Tryan urged her strongly to send for her mother. Do not wound her, he said, by shutting her out any longer from your troubles. It is right that you should be with her. Yes, I will send for her, said Janet, but I would rather not go to my mother's yet, because my husband is sure to think I am there, and he might come and fetch me. I can't go back to him, at least not yet. Ought I to go back to him? No, certainly not, at present. Something should be done to secure you from violence. Your mother, I think, should consult some confidential friend, some man of character and experience, who might mediate between you and your husband. Yes, I will send for my mother directly, but I will stay here with Mrs. Pettifer till something has been done. I want no one to know where I am except you. You will come again, will you not? You will not leave me to myself. You will not be left to yourself. God is with you. If I have been able to give you any comfort, it is because his power and love have been present with us. But I am very thankful that he has chosen to work through me. I shall see you again to-morrow, not before evening, for it will be Sunday, you know, but after the evening lecture I shall be at liberty. You will be in my prayers till then. In the meantime, dear Mrs. Dempster, open your heart as much as you can to your mother and Mrs. Pettifer. Cast away from you the pride that makes us shrink from acknowledging our weakness to our friends. Ask them to help in guarding yourself from the least approach of the sin you most dread. Deprive yourself as far as possible of the very means and opportunity of committing it. Every effort of that kind, made in humility and dependence, is a prayer. Promise me you will do this. Yes, I promise you. I know I have always been too proud. I could never bear to speak to anyone about myself. I have been proud towards my mother, even. It has always made me angry when she has seemed to take notice of my faults. Ah, dear Mrs. Dempster, you will never say again that life is blank and that there is nothing to live for, will you? See what work there is to be done in life, both in our own souls and for others. Surely it matters little whether we have more or less of this world's comfort in these short years when God is training us for the eternal enjoyment of his love. Keep that great end of life before you, and your troubles here will seem only the small hardships of a journey. Now I must go. Mr. Tryon rose and held out his hand. Janet took it and said, God has been very good to me in sending you to me. I will trust in him. I will try to do everything you tell me. Blessed influence of one true loving human soul on another, not calculable by algebra, not deducible by logic, but mysterious, effectual, mighty as the hidden process by which the tiny seed is quickened and bursts forth into tall stem and broad leaf and glowing tasseled flower. Ideas are often poor ghosts. Our sun-filled eyes cannot discern them. They pass athwart us in thin vapour and cannot make themselves felt. But sometimes they are made flesh. They breathe upon us with warm breath. They touch us with soft, responsive hands. 
they look at us with sad sincere eyes and speak to us in appealing tones they are clothed in a living human soul with all its conflicts its faith and its love then their presence is a power then they shake us like a passion and we are drawn after them with gentle compulsion as flame is drawn to flame janet's dark grand face still fatigued had become quite calm and looked up as she sat with a humble childlike expression at the thin blond face and slightly sunken gray eyes which now shone with hectic brightness she might have been taken for an image of passionate strength beaten and worn with conflict and he for an image of the self-renouncing faith which has soothed that conflict into rest as he looked at the sweet submissive face he remembered its look of despairing anguish and his heart was very full as he turned away from her let me only live to see this work confirmed and then it was nearly ten o'clock when mr tryan left but janet was bent on sending for her mother so mrs pettifer as the readiest plan put on her bonnet and went herself to fetch mrs rayner the mother had been too long used to expect that every fresh week would be more painful than the last for mrs pettifer's news to come upon her with the shock of a surprise quietly without any show of distress she made up a bundle of clothes and telling her little maid that she should not return home that night accompanied mrs pettifer back in silence when they entered the parlour janet wearied out had sunk to sleep in the large chair which stood with its back to the door the noise of the opening door disturbed her and she was looking round wonderingly when mrs rayner came up to her chair and said it's your mother janet mother dear mother janet cried clasping her closely i have not been a good tender child to you but i will be i will not grieve you any more the calmness which had withstood a new sorrow was overcome by a new joy and the mother burst into tears End of chapter nineteen of janet's repentance